1: Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Liz Waterstrot Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. Happy New Year to you. Same to you. So uh, what have been your first workouts of the new year? Yesterday. Well, what is it? So when was the new year? Today's the third. Today's the third. When is the new year?
0: <laughs> Listen, we're, we're working on week two of the kids being home from school, and my husband's been out of town this whole time. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So January 1st, I went for a run. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was lovely. It was, it, the weather's been great here. And then yesterday, my master's team did what we call a mini monster swim. So <laughs> our monster swim is 100-100s. And we usually Get do that mid-February. Yeah, so 100 by 100s. And you can either do it on a 130 interval, so every minute 30 you send off, or 140 yes. Uh, oh yeah, so, for
1: the slackers can do it one forty. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, hey.
0: no, but there's different. Like you can do fifties or seventy fives. They they try to make it for everyone. Uh, but yesterday we did fifty one hundreds as wow. as sort of the mini monster step in. And and I've done it many times, but it was it's still always kind of a fun accomplishment. And you give a little fist bump to your lane mate at the end. So
1: it was yeah good. a little uh yeah I swam this morning and I swam five one hundreds. Um. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, you just gotta
1: swim, swim the yard you are
0: in, Sarah. Swim the lap you are in, and and be happy about it.
1: Yes, I mean, I swam. It was part of a larger workout, but that was the yeah. that was the intense part. Yes, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, my swimming ended a three day pickleball streak that I had going. Ooh. I I played indoor on the last day of the twenty twenty two, and then I played outdoors the next two days. And I vastly prefer outside because Mm -hmm. I just love being outside and it's not so noisy. Indoors is way too noisy. But I did learn a really important, or realized an important thing when I was playing indoors with three women that we went there as a group. So it wasn't just the kind of random pickup type game that I usually play. And I definitely was reminded of the power of positive feedback. Mm -hmm. So I played with these three women And one of them, Denise, is on the, you know, she's a moderate to advanced beginner, but has enthusiasm, is always up for a game. And she and I have a good rapport together. And so, you know, when she makes a good shot, I really give her a lot of kudos or I'm like, oh, Denise is on fire, you know, just like kind of goofy stuff. And then, but we rotate partners after every game. And there was one woman who just was getting really frustrated with Denise and Denise's <laughs> level of game just plummeted playing hmm. with this person because I, there was just, I'm, I you know, there I was across the net from the person who was agitated at Denise and you could feel the negative energy that she was just so ticked, like thinking you could just, it was like she had a billboard that said that was an easy shot. Why'd you miss it? Or why didn't you run and get that one? I just was like, oh, no, 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 no. The way to get Denise's level of play up is to be positive because she makes a lot of good shots. You know, it's not like it's not like nine out of 10 shots are bad. So I just was like, oh, my gosh, you just got to give, you know, well earned. It wasn't like, you know, when she got it over the net, I was like, great job. You know, if, if she made a clever shot or, you know, hustled a little bit, I gave her props for it. So just reminded me that giving positive feedback is helpful.
0: True, true for anything. I mean, there's a time and a place for tough love. I would imagine on the pickleball court for a (laughs) (laughs) sub-elite recreational league is not appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, pickleball is completely taking over the gym that I go to. Really? Yes. So it's, so my gym is affiliated with the hospital. And so it trends a little bit on the older side because it's a lot of post-surgery, rehab, um, special populations. And little by little, pickleball was sneaking in. So they would take like half the basketball court and put up a pickleball net. Well, now it's full on entire basketball court, pickleball nets, sign up, league, (laughs) non-competitive league. And when I'm standing there coaching swimming on deck, I can see them playing pickleball. Oh, boy. It it cracks me up. I mean, it's really taking over. I might one day hop in and play. Probably not. But (laughs) it's sweeping the nation. It's made I don't know if the East Coasters can fill us in and let us know has it. Oh, I think. East Coast.
1: I think it's omnipresent. Yes, it is ubiquitous now.
2: (laughs) Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And I got some pickleball gifts from, from Katie, my occasional, another occasional co-host. She gave me a visor and some dish towels, oh. pickleball dish towels. And uh, yes, so, towels. but, it was, but it, was, it was funny though, because then a uh, bammer named Stacy, who actually lives outside Chicago or maybe in Chicago, she texted me over the holidays. She's like, did you get any good pickleball gifts? I'm like, okay, well, I didn't get any gifts from my spouse. And you know, I got two candles for my kids and some hand-drawn gift cards or hand-drawn stationery. Which I really like. I really, really like that. But I was like, nope. Didn't even occur to me to ask for that or anything. And then when I went and played outdoors on New Year's Day, it seemed like everyone had gotten a new pickleball tote or, you know, kind of bag to carry all their stuff. And I was like... Yeah, I'm just fine with my another Mother Runner tote bag. I, I, I like it. It helps promote the brand.
0: <laughs> as long as we're on pickleball, we might as well keep rolling with this. But I almost screenshot something for you from the Nextdoor app.
1: Oh, oh, yes. The contentious uh, start fights over the simplest of things. There's a coyote wandering
0: the neighborhood.
1: Did you hear oh, that? Oh, we get shot? a lot of that too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so anyhow, someone <laughs> had either lost or abandoned pickleball paddle in the middle of Charles Street. And so someone very nice neighbor was like, Hey, there's a pickleball paddle. <laughs> if you <laughs> want it, you had to explain it to identify it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but I don't know if someone was like New Year's Eve drunk pickleballing, just, <laughs> just randomly dropped it and fell out of kind of like when you see shoes along the road? Shoes,
1: I was gonna say the exact same thing. How do
0: you lose your shoes when you're driving down the street? So this kind of begs the same question. How do you lose one not one pickleball battle just in the middle of the street?
1: Yes. But the exact same thing. The things you see when you're out for a walk or a run. It's like, how did that end up here? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) One slip flop. (laughs) Yes. The red patent high heels, you know? It's I just always envision feet out the window. Uh, And people can use their imagination from that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I have to say, we're on video right now, which we typically don't do. I didn't realize how much I close my eyes when I talk and laugh on the podcast. My goodness. It is a little bit different and and slightly
0: awkward. Yes. I find it's easier to focus when it's uh, just audio. So I might close my eyes. Just like focus.
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm going to turn mine off pretty soon, but um, I at least will uh, welcome our guest with the video on, perhaps. And our our guest was suggested by you, Coach Liz. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful, always for suggestions. So, our guest today is Alex Larson, a registered dietitian based in Minnesota. She works with a wide array of athletes. Alex is a mom of two young kiddos, and she's an age group triathlete and runner, and with so much emphasis on good intentions wrapped up in the start of the new year, I thought it would be good to talk with a dietitian to make sure we're all working with solid information regarding food and eating. Welcome to the show, Alex. Delighted to talk with you. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Alex, tell us a little
2: bit about your athletic background. Yeah, so I didn't grow up being like a super, star, and I'm still not a superstar athlete, but I did track and soccer, just more of like a social thing. But really my passion as a kid was horseback riding and horse showing. Hmm. And then in college, I realized that wasn't a super like financially stable <laughs> sport for me. So I transitioned away from horses and through a broken foot from a horseback riding accident, I learned to swim laps at the college pool And then when I graduated school, I wanted to have some sort of goal to keep myself active. And I found a local triathlon here uh, near Duluth, Minnesota, which is my hometown area, and kind of got hooked ever since. I moved to a town to start my career as a dietitian in Winona, Minnesota, and they have a really nice little triathlon there. And I said, well, I've done one before, and I got involved with the community there. So that was 2010 2011 around then and by 2014 I was doing Ironman Wisconsin so kind of really took a progressive incline there over the few years with triathlon so that's really where my background
1: in endurance really started wow so and what are you doing these days with triathlon and running
2: yeah well I I definitely took a little bit of a a leave from triathlon. So after I did Ironman Wisconsin in 2014, we knew that we wanted to start our family. And so I figured like, I'm healthy, he's healthy, like we can start our family here pretty soon. Well, it took me about two years to get pregnant and I had to go through in vitro. So that was basically my main focus during that. I wasn't even really focused on triathlon or running or anything because I was just really wanted to start our family so badly and so once my first son was born I really wanted to just dedicate my time to being a mom and recovering from all of you know pregnancy and whatnot so it wasn't probably until a year postpartum with him where he really started running again Mm. and I knew I just wasn't ready to go back in triathlon because it's such a time-consuming sport So just actually this past um, couple years, I've been doing some half marathons. I'm located really close to Grandma's Marathon Mm -hmm. and that's such a wonderful event. So it's been really fun to do that local race. And then this past summer, I did do a sprint triathlon and it it was an amazing experience to come back into that. And I really put a lot of focus and time into training for that. So then I knew that if I was gonna do it, I was gonna go all in. So just balancing that and being a mom it was it was tough but I'm, I'm really glad that i went through that
1: hmm. and did your kids and husband come spectate
2: they did, but keep in mind, my kids are three and five, mm-hmm. and the event was at had a really amazing playground right next to the finish. <laughs> so when my husband goes, Hey, mommy's mommy's coming, she's, let's go cheer around. They were just like, Uh uh-uh. uh, no, we're, <laughs> we're playing in this band and on this amazing playground. So they did not actually come and see me finish, but I walked right over afterwards and they were excited
1: to see me. Very nice. Hashtag priorities. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> So Alex, on your website, it says you're a registered dietitian nutritionist. So Mm -hmm. I I thought maybe that's for like search engine optimization, or because I thought that a dietitian and a nutritionist were two different things. So clue me in and also tell us how you arrived at your profession.
2: Yeah, so... I grew up with a family that was in healthcare, so I have a family of nurses. My mom's a nurse, my dad's a nurse anesthetist. So, like medical jargon was always like at the dinner table. So I knew I wanted to go into something healthcare based, but I'm like terrible at blood and needles. <laughs> I, I really like my mom thinks I'm just pathetic with it. So I knew I needed a little different career than nursing. And so I just kind of fell into to dietetics. I love food. I love everything about cooking and baking and and eating. So um, it just was a really natural career for me to go into. And so the whole title, registered dietitian nutritionist, um, you might hear, you might see RD or RDN as far as credentials. They're kind of used interchangeably, mm-hmm. but in terms. of of nutritionists. Not all people that call themselves a nutritionist are actually a dietitian. Mm -hmm. That's something to keep in mind that you might want to just explore someone's credentials a little bit more that, you know, is their nutritionist title, depending on what state they're in, because there's some licensing that can go with that. Um, They might just have like an online certification versus a dietitian will have a four-year degree they've done um, an accredited internship and they've passed a national exam.
1: So then the letters after your name would be RDN. That's what I choose to use, mm-hmm. but some people use it be RD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a shame that the government doesn't have, you know, that it's not the same across the board because then you do kind of think like, oh, I'm going to get some help with my nutrition. And it's just like a, a sea of people claiming to be experts. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's no governing body seemingly to hold your hand help the person who's looking for somebody
2: yeah it's kind of a, a definitely a source god for my profession and seeing a lot of the misinformation that's shared out there because a lot of it can be very harmful to people mm-hmm. and that is really concerning. Mm-hmm. so you you want to make sure that you're checking where the information is coming from mm-hmm. or if you hear something that sounds really great you know confirm with a dietitian or someone that That you really trust that has that background Mm -hmm. so you can just make sure that you're getting good info
1: yeah yeah all right well it's time for a brief break to hear from our sponsors stick with us to hear all sorts of excellent athlete focused nutrition advice and insight from alex
2: another day is here
1: and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help
0: Okay, Alex, you're our first guest of the new year, and you're here to talk about eating habits today. So, start by telling us why we should uh, plug our ears to probably 95% of the diet culture conversations swirling around right now.
2: Yes, we are definitely going to be flooded in the new year with lots of messaging about weight loss and um, dieting. And, you know, especially for runners and athletes, I feel like. We're not just people that exercise for weight loss. We're 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 here to fuel as athletes and a lot of that diet culture me- messaging is just not something that's going to coincide with the training endurance athlete lifestyle. So making sure that when you're looking for any type of nutrition or health advice that you are getting it somewhere from a credible source such as a dietitian.
1: Yeah. So when I asked you to be a guest, you immediately said you wanted to talk about thriving, not surviving, which confirmed Liz's recommendation that you're the ideal guest. So elaborate on what you mean by thriving, not surviving, especially as it relates to busy, sporty women.
2: Yeah, well, I find it's really common for me to meet athletes, especially mom athletes, who they're trying to do everything. They're trying to fit in their workouts, have a career, raise their kids. They're so busy. And with nutrition and their own eating habits and self-care, it just isn't really even close to being higher on the priority list. So we get in this like zone of yuck where we're just surviving. And usually when they're coming to me, there's an interest of like, oh, I want to lose five or 10 pounds to get back to that leaner race weight that they maybe had a year or two ago. And I often hear from them that um, they believe that they'll feel better if they could just reach that certain number on the scale. And what I find is not, it's not necessarily the number on the scale. It's just that one, they're likely under They're not eating enough. They're not getting enough of the right nutrition to support their busy athlete lifestyle, support the energy that they're needing. So when they do put in the work to learn how to adjust their nutrition to meet their needs, and have it still work for their schedule and family life, they have one, better workouts. Mm-hmm. Two, they have way more energy the rest of the day to be more productive and happier. And you're more emotionally and physically equipped to really tackle you know, your busiest days. So you really have to be able to recognize that you're not in that good cycle and it's time to really help yourself get out of there, have more energy and be much more productive and thriving throughout your week.
0: So Alex, you know, as a coach, one of the biggest things I see is women under And oftentimes it's not intentional. It just happens. And I don't mm-hmm. even know that they, they realize it. So what are some of the, the signs that someone might not be meeting their energy needs for their exercise activities combined with life?
2: Yeah, well, there's actually a couple different things that I'll look for. One is I'll ask about like, how are their energy levels the rest of the day after they work out? Like, are they going for their long run on Saturday morning? And are they just like sitting, wanting to sit on the couch and take a nap the rest of the day? What are their hunger levels like? I've seen kind of both ends of the spectrum there. I've seen some athletes where they have like zero hunger at all throughout the day. um, And then they might have like some sugar cravings and sweets in the evening. Or I might see athletes that are just constantly hungry like they feel like they're battling their hunger because no matter what they eat they feel like they're always hungry so those are a couple of the main things and then also just if their workouts are just kind of plateauing like they're not seeing any progress of them feeling stronger and faster that might be a sign as well
1: Mm. So Alex, you also told us functional over optimal is your new phrase to creating long term success with fueling and nutrition. So I love that concept. It kind of strikes me as the nutritional equivalent of perfect is the enemy of good. So talk more, Mm -hmm. talk, talk more about the functional over optimal approach to food intake.
2: Yeah, I love this whole concept of functional over optimal because we have a tendency as humans, especially athletes, that when we're ready for a reset with our nutrition and to make a change, we're going to want to completely revamp everything, clean out the kitchen of all of like the foods you consider junk foods or go shopping and buy a ton of fruits and veggies or cut out all sugar, like whatever kind of like extreme thing comes through your mind. And what happens in like a few days, you get overwhelmed and then you just kind of go back to that old, like easy habits. And so instead what instead of focusing on what's optimal, so choosing the best veggies or the best proteins or whatever it is, I want you to focus on what's functional for you and your lifestyle. Mm. So I want you to plan your habits so that you can do them on your worst day. Mm. Don't plan your habits around creating your best day. Because you, you don't want to shoot for the stars right out of the gate with your nutrition. You want to make sure that you're you're just trying to move your baseline up. You're trying to improve your baseline. So focus, like think of your lifestyle. What is your schedule like? What is your realistically, what you can cook and prepare? And start focusing in on those eating habits and those behaviors instead of just trying to choose the best foods.
1: It's really smart that because... I don't know, some some weeks it feels like I have more worse days than, than good days. So, so be-
2: yeah, and if you think of those people that have tried over and over and over to improve their nutrition and they just can't get it to stick, it's probably because they're just focusing on what's best and not actually what's realistic for them in their life in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So going back to the idea of of getting women to get used to eating more, how do you... How do you facilitate that shift from getting someone to say, you you know, eating not enough to maybe eating 400 to up to a thousand more calories a day and let go of this idea that they're going to gain weight and, you know, sell them on the idea that they'll have more energy and strength and better performance?
2: Yeah, there's definitely a fear of weight gain for a lot of athletes where I, I hear from a lot of them that I know I'm supposed to eat more, but I just... I'm so afraid to gain weight because anytime I do start eating more, I see the scale go up and they panic and then they start to restrict again. And so like first and foremost, we kind of talk through that mindset, that fear and making sure that they're ready to trust the process. But also knowing that our body is very adaptable, but there's no like, instant change when it comes to nutrition, especially if you're going to increase all of a sudden to 400 calories, 1,000 calories more a day to like meet your needs. That's a really big shift for your body all at once. And of course, you're going to see some weight gain. So you have to remember that, especially with our metabolism, that you need to allow some time for it to adapt and to catch up. So you want to gradually work your way up to shifting, to fueling more appropriately for what your body needs. It's all kind of about that like metabolic output of like getting it back up to baseline, but you have to do it gradually. It's 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 a process. You kind of have to trust the process. For a lot of athletes, I will see, a we might see a little bit of weight gain initially. And I say, hey, it's okay. Because usually things will come back down within a few weeks and kind of stabilize. And the most beautiful thing about it though, is that within a couple of weeks, they're like, oh my gosh, my hunger is so much more regulated right now throughout the day. I don't have those cravings that I do in the afternoon or, oh my God, I went for my long run this weekend and I had energy to play with my kids Mm -hmm. later on. That's never happened. Those types of things that we hear, I mean, that's priceless right there to have that.
1: Mm -hmm. So with the whole, you know, getting your eating up to baseline, adding in more calories, I suspect there's some women listening, especially those of us who are over the age of 50 who are thinking, yeah, that's, that's great for runners and triathletes who are in their 30s. But what about us older gals who, you know, basically, you know, get pudgier in the stomach just from looking at things?
2: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, as we age, there's a couple things that happen that can impact our body composition. One especially is that we do tend to gradually lose muscle mass as we age. So we kind of are fighting a little bit of a losing battle. So it's really important at any age that you are incorporating some sort of strength training. And I'm not here telling you like how many days a week or anything, but I just, it's so important in terms of maintaining, if not building some additional muscle mass on you to help make sure that your metabolism stays nice and high and healthy and you can remain strong. And that does play an impact on body composition as well. But if you're not fueling enough, you're not going to be able to maintain and build that muscle as well either. So, There's definitely, for those older gals, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you're you're fueling. And so gradually working your way up to what your body needs, getting enough protein, helping preserve, if not build some muscle mass, will really help you have longevity as a runner. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one thing I hear often when athletes want to make big and drastic changes is that they're going to experiment with exercising in a fasted state. Uh, So can you tell us why that might not be a great idea. And then give us some ideas for what to eat before a morning workout.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely in the camp of please don't do your workouts fasted. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, especially for women, is because a lot of times with our hormones, especially those stress hormones are fairly high. Those cortisol levels are fairly high in the morning because we fasted all night long while we were sleeping. Mm -hmm. And on top of that the stress of a workout Mm -hmm. and a fasted one at that, that's not doing your body any good either. So I would prefer that athletes go into their workout having some sort of fresh energy. You're going to have a better performance in your workout anyways. And there's something really that plays with our confidence and mindset in finishing a workout and feeling good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're not usually going to feel good after a fasted workout. So there's many different aspects to why you shouldn't go into fasting. I know a lot of people will will do them because there is some evidence that you can see more fat burning, but you're also going to see some muscle loss from that. And as I mentioned before, we're already going to be gradually losing muscle mass as we get older, especially if we're not strength training, especially if we're not fueling well. So we want to preserve that muscle and that strength to keep ourselves strong to keep ourselves healthy. We want to get those cortisol stress levels down as much as possible, especially in the morning after fasting overnight. And we want to have good workouts because when you finish a workout and you're feeling great, you're going to want to get up the next morning and work out again.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If you're having back-to-back workouts where you're feeling that like crap, you're not going to want to continue to train.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so for the English major over here, refresh my memory why exercising with high cortisol levels is going to do more harm than good.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that's a stress hormone. Um, it can impact other hormones as well, like especially your appetite regulating hormones. And with cortisol, the research has shown that it's linked to decreasing that growth hormone. So like for, for building muscle. Mm. And also it's been shown to actually be linked to um, abdominal acid as well. Mm -hmm. Like seeing more gains in abdominal fat. So it's not something you really want to mess around with. And as women, we're already kind of stressed out as it is. Like, let's try and keep our stress management and our cortisol levels as low as we can Mm -hmm. by staying Mm -hmm. Mm well-fueled.
1: Okay. So then for the second part of Liz's question, what are some real world examples of some fresh fuel that we could put into our body? Oh,
2: yes. Sorry. I totally missed that. (laughs) Okay. So as far as like fueling before a workout... Depending on when it is during the day, right? So if you are an early morning workout person, I would do something that is going to digest really, really easily and quickly. Liquid energy, like liquid, like a smoothie or some juice or applesauce would be something that's going to digest really quickly, especially if are running because you have that jostling motion. It can be really easy if you have a lot of solid foods in your stomach to have kind of um, some GI issues. Brown crackers are one that I find work really well because they kind of just like dissolve and melt in your mouth. And so mm-hmm. those ones tend to work really, really well or even a little bit of yogurt. I sometimes will do some energy chews, but I find I need a little bit of protein with it in the morning because sometimes my blood sugar will just make me feel a little icky before I start running or even just doing like a sports drink, you know, like drinking just a little bit of, all you need is just a little bit of carbs. I would keep it really low fat and I would keep it really... Uh, lower fiber as well Mm -hmm. to just make sure that it gets digested as quickly as possible so that you can use that energy for that workout. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And then if you're doing an afternoon workout, making sure that you're just fueling well throughout that day before the workout can be helpful. I know sometimes people kind of forget to eat during the day because they're really busy at work (laughs) and then they'll leave work and they're like, oh shoot, I have hardly eaten anything today. And that's not going to set you up for a really good workout. So make sure first and foremost that you're not skipping meals. You're getting in snacks as needed. And then I'd say an hour to 90 minutes before the workout, having a light snack like some goldfish crackers. You can have a banana, something where you're going to get some easy carbs in to just fuel that workout. Goldfish crackers. Oh yeah. I, this is the mom I'm speaking. I've always like... Some <laughs> for I was going to say, you
0: just made every mom of a toddler very happy there. Uh, <laughs> so going back to diet culture, poor carbohydrates, they get such a bad rap. So <laughs> Alex, how should we be looking at and ingesting carbs?
2: Yeah, carbs are the best. <laughs> Let me tell you, they're, they're our body's preferred source of energy. If you're not getting enough carbs, your body will use protein as energy, and we want protein. And protein's expensive, so if you want, you're going to eat protein. We want it to go where we, it needs to go, and that's to muscles building and maintaining our muscles. So, you want to make sure that you're getting enough carbs in your body because that's going to be your energy for your workouts, especially those longer workouts. We our muscles store what's called glycogen, so it takes carbs puts it as glycogen into our muscles. And that's what we use as energy during our workouts. If you have low glycogen levels, your body's not going to have that energy to complete the workout. So you're going to notice that you're going to be slowing down. You're going to feel sluggish, fatigued. So having those carbs in your day around your workouts is what's going to really have you feel your best for those.
0: All right. And then, of course, we have to ask about protein. And you've alluded to this a bit. So why is protein so important? And then, and here's the thing. We all know we need protein, but when you're on the go, what are some quick ways to get in that protein?
2: Yes, protein, especially, I mean, a lot of people think like, oh, I'm not a strength athlete. I don't want to like bulk up a lot. You know, protein's not as high a priority. It really is. You know, as an endurance athlete, our bodies are taking a beating with uh, the duration and the frequency of our workouts. We need to make sure that we're getting that protein in to recover really effectively and efficiently. And so getting in protein throughout the day, it's not just like a one-time thing. You want to try and consistently get it from, you know, breakfast all the way through dinner and evening snack. And getting that consistent supply is where we see um, the most benefits so instead of just focusing on like having a large quantity at dinner I would try and spread it out throughout the day and as far as like quick and on the go things to do I would say one of my favorites right now is doing like there's these Fairlife flavored milks that are like 20 30 grams or like core power core power those yep. ones are really <laughs> shelf stable They taste great. They've got a good source of, so if you're doing like a workout somewhere, you're you're away from home and you want to have something, you know, afterwards, or like if I get done in the pool and I have a 20 minute drive home, I know that I'm going to be starving by the time I get home. I'll have some crackers. I'll have one of those in my van, just waiting for me to fuel on my drive home. Or even things like if, I mean, I live in Minnesota, like the Midwesterners, we don't go anywhere without a cooler. So even especially in the summer, I'll pack a little cooler with like a couple hard boiled eggs, maybe some fruit, or I might put together a fruit smoothie, you know, before I head somewhere, you know, just try and be a little strategic. And what does my schedule look like for the day? What can I put together in advance to have on the go during those busy times?
1: You just totally identified yourself as a mother runner by alluding to eating crackers, again, with the goldfish, in your van. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my yeah, van is the best. Was
1: decade for my family. Oh, I know. Before you get a minivan, you're like, "Oh, I'll never drive a minivan." And then you get a minivan, it's like, "That's a genius feature!" Like the automatic doors, the you know, being able to get kids in and out of oh, the ease of it all. Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> I love my minivans so much. <laughs> Can't even tell you. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we have covered carbs, protein. So let's not forget about fat. What are some misconceptions that you think still swirl around fat? And and what are your favorite sources of fat?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a child of the 90s. So like back then, I feel like the misconception was that like fat was bad and we shouldn't have any. And then now we've kind of switched to, you know, the keto lovers and like we should only eat fat. Mm-hmm. So I think first and foremost, the misconception is either like one or the other extreme, but we need to just focus on the fact that We need to just have things be balanced and realistic. And so, I mean, it can be easy to go overboard with fat intake, just with the quantity of peanut butter I see a lot of my athletes eat. They Mm -hmm. just really love peanut butter. I love peanut butter too, Mm -hmm. but it does add up pretty quick. And so making sure that you're still honing in on getting enough carbohydrates to support the level of training that you're doing, getting enough protein to help your, bot- your muscles recover and rebuild, and then just including in fat in terms of like adding flavor and satiety to your meals and your snacks as well. Mm-hmm. And choosing the healthier fats too. More of the liquid, unsaturated fats versus doing more of like getting your fat from like fattier cuts of meat, you know, butters and those types of things. Mm-hmm. So if folks
0: are planning on a big event, let's say a marathon or an ultra or even a half Ironman in 2023, what are two to three key pieces of advice that you would give them for nutrition?
2: Yeah. Um, I would say first and foremost, that carbs give you superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) And then second of all, I would focus on the smaller changes, like the smaller little eating habit changes, cause those are one, the ones that you can do consistently for longer that are going to have the biggest impact on
1: your health and your performance. Nice. We need to uh, dress up a bagel in like a Wonder Woman cape or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So at Another Mother Runner, we love TMI topics. So I was thrilled to see you talking about Code Brown on runs uh, on your Instagram page. So could you dive into that messy topic, please?
2: I would love to. (laughs) I just had an athlete the other day that was telling me about a bowel issue, and she said, "Sorry, if this is TMI, I go girl. There is no such thing as TMI when it comes to this topic. Um, I will gladly talk about it all day long." Yeah. So, especially in runners, because of the jostling nature of running, it tends to be pretty common for athletes to have some sort of GI issue, especially related to the bowels. I've been actually lately the past probably four months. Discussing a lot with a pelvic floor PT about how I can make sure that if there's any need to refer athletes to them. Um, because, and she had this really great saying that motion is lotion. <laughs> um, that, uh, when it comes to running and movement, that it just naturally moves our bowels along. And so we need to just make sure that we have really good bowel practices in supporting that and then nutrition can play a role in that as well. So things like having a really high fiber diet, uh, maybe looking at cutting back on some of that fiber in the days before a long run or before a big race, something like having a really high fat meal, I sometimes can find causes issues the next morning with a longer runner race. I had one athlete For some reason, she just felt like eating a greasy burger the night before her marathon. And she's a very well-seasoned, like, ultra-distance athlete. And she said she did have to stop in the middle of the race. And that had never happened before. And she goes, I should have just known better. And I was like, yeah, I'm not quite sure what you were thinking there. But lesson learned. Just don't have a very high-fat meal. Keep it a little lighter. And... Other things would be like artificial sweeteners sometimes, especially sugar alcohols, Mm -hmm. can be known to cause a lot of gas and issues there. If you have a lot of sugar alcohols, that can actually cause like explosive diarrhea. So definitely like be careful there. Mm -hmm. And also hydration. If you're even a little bit dehydrated, that can sometimes really wreak havoc on our GI system and definitely exasperate those issues. So make sure that you're staying really well hydrated Mm -hmm. to keep you know, everything happy in there. Mm -hmm. Keep that gut happy. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing on that and giving us such great advice to uh, enter this new year. Thank you, Alex. Oh my gosh, it was my pleasure. Sorry to end on poop. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was really enjoyable talking with her. So we hope that you will join us this year for one of our retreats, either Redmond, Oregon. We're convening there June 9th through 12th. It's in Oregon's high desert, and it is a memorable, memorable landscape that it's going to be so great. Our The hotel we're staying at is fantastic. And there's not going to be a race. There's going to be hiking. Dimity's all excited for all sorts of hiking. Or you can join us on Hilton Head Island. We're returning there for a third time. And this time we're going there in November. We'll be there November 3rd through 6th. And the cornerstone race for that's going to be a half or a quarter marathon. So really excited for that. Um, The spots for Redmond, there's just a few left. So if you've been kind of on the fence or thinking about it, now is the time to sign up. And realize that, you know, some of us might still be having some credit card bills due. We do have a firm, which is a payment plan. So you don't have to, you can register, but you don't have to pay all at once. So once you get into our site, you'll see that a firm is an option and uh, that just kind of eases the um, credit card shock. So, all right. So f- to find out all the details and to register, go to anothermotherrunner.com and click on events. And you'll see that on the drop down menu, Redmond, Oregon and Hilton Head Island. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. It's not, uh, I, I don't, it could be, you know, a fart in a park. I don't care what it is.